From the campus of Harvard Medical School, this is Think Research, a podcast devoted to the stories behind clinical research. I'm Abby. And I'm Brendan, and we're your hosts. Think Research is brought to you by Harvard Catalyst, Harvard University's Clinical and Translational Science Center. And by NCATS, the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences. In vulnerable populations, implementation of healthcare and healthcare education are crucial, but can be challenging. Among youth experiencing homelessness, there are additional obstacles to healthcare delivery. The rate of HIV infection among youth experiencing homelessness in Los Angeles is 10 times the average rate. Dr. Tom Bay and his collaborators at the University of Southern California combine the science of artificial intelligence and Los Angeles-based social workers to map social networks and more effectively share HIV prevention information. Dr. Tom Bay is a Gordon McKay Professor of Computer Science and Director of the Center for Research in Computation and Society at Harvard University. He is also the Director of AI for Social Good at Google Research India. Hi, Dr. Tambe. Welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. Delighted to be here. Great to have you. Um, So you're a computer science researcher and professor and the director of AI for Social Good at Google Research India. What is AI for Social Good? Great question. So AI, you know, is artificial intelligence. When we talk about social good, we mean advancing AI for benefit of those who have not benefited from AI, generally Mm -hmm. speaking, more uh, low resource communities, endangered communities. And when we say AI for social good, here we really mean being able to demonstrate the good on the ground. Mm. So it's not enough to say we are doing AI for social good, perhaps just provide advances in AI algorithms. It is important to actually demonstrate impact on the ground. Mm-hmm. And often this is work with communities that themselves cannot commission AI research for themselves. And so it ends up that the kind of work uh, that happens in AI for social good are with nonprofits often who are working with these low resource uh, communities. Um, So before coming to Harvard, you were at the University of Southern California. While you were there, you partnered with a group in Los Angeles that focused on HIV prevention among youth experiencing homelessness. Tell us about that study and what the goal was. This work that you're referencing was jointly done with the USC School of Social Work. So I was in computer science and my colleague, collaborator, friend, uh, Dr. Eric Rice was in the School of Social Work. And so together the goal was on the one hand to show social impact, to actually achieve social impact in the community of youth experiencing homelessness for HIV prevention. And on the other hand, advanced AI research because AI had not paid attention to these 
situations which come about in achieving this kind of social impact through exploiting the social network uh, of these youth. And so the goal of the study was to improve knowledge of HIV prevention behavior and cause those changes. Specifically, as you may know, there are 6,000 youth who sleep on the streets of Los Angeles every night. The rates of HIV among these youth are 10 times the rate of normal housed populations. And so drop-in centers, other organizations conduct peer-led campaigns in order to spread information about HIV to reduce HIV risk behaviors. Mm-hmm. In a sense, you're trying to call key peer leaders, recruit key peer leaders, because you cannot obviously talk to all 6,000 6, youth, educate them about HIV prevention, expect these peer leaders to talk to their friends and their friends to talk to their friends and information to spread in the social network. Now, this is face-to-face conversation. This is not over some other electronic uh, social media or something like that. Mm -hmm. The question then became, could we do something better in selecting the key peer leaders compared to how it was traditionally done using AI techniques? And the goal of the, the results was indeed that we were able to show that our AI algorithms for selecting peer leaders were far more effective in causing spread of HIV risk risk information and changes in HIV risk behaviors compared to traditional approaches. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is incredibly interesting. I'm so curious to the AI techniques you used and what that means as far as we're talking about social networks and, and basically determining who within that larger network is the person who can disseminate the information, right? Who's kind of the influencer. And so I'm very interested to know more about what, what were the techniques? How did, you, how did you get to that point? Awesome question. So the basic idea here is we want to select those influencers, those key peer leaders in the network who would obviously be able to spread the information in a way that reaches all of the different sub-communities. Mm-hmm. So this is a network where there are many different sub-communities, maybe youth who play basketball together, youth who hang out on the Venice Beach together, mm-hmm. and so forth. The initial approach that was adopted in earlier work was to select the most popular youth, the nodes that in a social network would have the highest degree. Mm-hmm. And selecting them makes sense. They're the most popular. However, they are all concentrated, if you will, at the center of the network, meaning they all know each other. They're very popular. Um, But you don't then get to reach more uh, more of these sub-communities. What we want to do instead is to select maybe one or two nodes in the center, but maybe the other nodes are more strategically placed. Maybe nodes that connect different communities are more effective in spreading information. Mm -hmm. And so what this AI algorithm is doing is not looking at demographic information. It's not looking at any other information other than purely the strategic placement of the nodes in the network. So if you imagine a network of something like say 300 youth, and within that we want to select, let's say 30 youth who are the peer leaders, you want to get that combination of 30 out of 300 
that are strategically placed in order to spread this information. Mm -hmm. So choosing a combination of 30 out of 300, if you think about it, it's like 300 choose 30. That's a massive number of combinations mm -hmm. for us to think through. And the, the AI algorithm is essentially sifting through all these combinations to figure out what's the most effective way of putting together a coalition of peer leaders that would be most effective in spreading this information. So they need to be placed uh, far away from, you know, just the right amount away from each other, because if you just choose neighbors, that's not as right. effective. Uh, they need to be able to reach different sub-communities. So the algorithm sort of simulating through all of these different possibilities and then ultimately coming up with the right choice of peer leaders. Right. And often it is a surprising choice uh, because it often ends up with youth who at first glance may not be the most popular youth, uh, may appear to be on the edges of the network, mm -hmm. but they just happen to be the right youth for spreading this information. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that's what was uh, uh, clearly seen in the result of the experiment. I should say though that um, the network itself is not given to us. Mm. Uh, so it's not as though we know the social network ahead of time. And so in the first pilot studies we did, our social work colleagues, uh, students of uh, Professor Rice, for example, would painfully collect this data by querying all of the youth in the study and doing field observations and so forth. And that in itself became a very complex operation. So mm -hmm. the next approach then was, could we sample a small fraction of the network and the key is to figure out what nodes to sample. So in a sense, we don't know the network. Can we figure out what the network might be by sampling intelligently through a few nodes and, and then figuring out based on just that small sample that we have, who are the key peer leaders? And so the, the interesting part of the algorithm was the sampling and then also then selecting the right peer leaders. Wow. I'm actually very interested and fascinated by everything that you're talking about and, and how you're thinking about homelessness among youth and then how you're using this technology to kind of speak to, to what is happening and disseminating information. I, one of the things you just talked about was the social network and how you know people kind of painfully collected the information to give you the information about the social networks. Um, and I know in this study, you, one of the things you had to do in the study was map the social networks of the youth experiencing homelessness. How did you do that part? Because the mapping, you know, you talked about how you got the social networks, but how are you doing the mapping? Correct. No, I initially, uh, this, this is a very interesting question because often in computer science, the kind of work that was done on social networks for influence maximization for was often driven by, let's say, something like viral marketing, things of that nature, where the idea was that you are given a social network ahead of time. And then you go ahead, given that the social network is given, a very clever algorithm for selecting the right influencers. The problem in our case is indeed that the network is not given. And as I said, one approach would be to painfully collect all of that data, but that is not scalable. That's not going to work if you want to use this technique across many different locations. And so the next thing was to sample the network and to sample essentially, you ask a particular youth 
who are your top five friends or something, you know, some simple sort of a query that gives us information about their edges, the connections that they have. The key is to figure out who to sample, which you to ask questions. And that's where the cleverness of our algorithm comes in. I should mention that the study was led by my, uh, uh, you know, very, you know, great PhD student, uh, uh, Brian Wilder, who has been the lead uh, in this work. And so he came up with this clever algorithm for sampling the right kind of youth. So you sample, let's say 15% of the youth, mm -hmm. that's it, by asking them who their friends are. And then just having that much information is sufficient to then select the right peer leaders and, and then proceed from there. What we learned here, as I've learned in my other work in AI for social impact is that going to the real world to solve these problems that are of social impact often opens up new research challenges in computer science that we had not thought about. And this was one example because traditionally the work that is done assumes that the social network is given here, the social network is not given. And so it leads to some very interesting new research challenges. So in some sense, we get wonderful problems to work on in advancing AI, but these are not, you know, these are being driven by socially impactful applications. What was it like partnering with a group that was made up of mostly social workers as a group of computer scientists? Oh, it's such a fascinating experience. And, you know, the, on the one, one hand, uh, I must say it is extremely inspiring. It's, mm -hmm. it's so different. I mean, computer science circles, people are talking about startups and, you know, startups being bought and, you know, lots of funding and seed funding and, you know, venture capital and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And the School of Social Work, it's all about social justice. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just such a different and inspiring kind of a conversation. It's just change of context. Um, and so it, it, it led to many ideas that many different, I mean, uh, the particular application that I mentioned of HIV prevention was the, just the tip of the iceberg, just the start. Mm. And then following that, they just seem like there's so many things that we could work together. There's so many, whether it's substance abuse prevention, suicide prevention, uh, nutrition, malnutrition or nutrient deficiency, uh, addressing that. I mean, it's just, there's just a ton of problems that uh, we could work together on, collaborate on. And it was beneficial for both sides uh, because AI researchers had not encountered these kinds of problems before. And, um, obviously on the social work side, there's sort of this need to apply AI techniques. So fascinating. And we discovered sometimes that there were problems that no dis neither discipline actually worked on. So there's sort of this big gap uh, where nobody was working on those problems. And that was kind of a very interesting discovery. And sometimes words had very different meanings in the two on the two sides. Yeah. I'll give you an example. The word objective uh, in AI and computer science has a very specific meaning. It means mathematically expressing the actual term that you're trying to optimize. So in some sense, it has to be like a mathematically expressed 
term that says sum over i xi you know what what you know like mathematically written precise uh, formulation and so i was in this uh, phone call social work researchers on the one side ai colleagues on the other mm-hmm. and it was about substance abuse prevention and from the ai i mean you know the ai researcher started asking okay what is your objective and this clearly we've been talking about substance abuse prevention for half an hour and the social work colleague was telling me we've been talking for half an hour the objective is substance you know right. substance abuse prevention among these youth what what do you, what more do you want to know and what the ai researcher was asking for is like give me sum over i xi plus yeah. yi some some very specific thing and it was just very interesting to understand that the word objective had just these very different yeah. meanings um and so there's a lot there's some of that uh what's always uh, a great uh, fun and just lots of sparks in terms of oh you know we can this is a problem and we can use this technique uh and 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 just sort of the the cross fertilization of ideas in terms of what we had assumed and what they had assumed and and so much uh, education on the ai side um and for my students who went and worked uh alongside the social work students it was a transformative experience for them to understand what is really going on in the mm-hmm. city uh you know it's not it's it's a very different world compared to as i said the world of computer science yeah. so it was very uh, so i've seen students come back just inspired uh that you know that this is something that they could really contribute to and uh, and adopt as their mission in life mm-hmm. so so very um, very powerful connection mm-hmm. what was the outcome of this study so the study showed if we recruited um, overall 750 youth and i must mm-hmm. again just to uh, um say this is joint work with uh, this friend colleague uh, eric rice and the result was we, there were three arms in the study our algorithm which was called change the normal method the traditional approach of bringing the most popular youth which i'll refer to as degree centrality and third a no intervention arm mm. and at the end of one so the way this happened in every arm of the study 250 youth were recruited and in every arm we selected peer leaders according to the algorithm in that arm so for change it was our ai algorithm for degree centrality is the traditional approach bring in the most popular youth and no intervention there's nobody being selected and then we looked at what the results were in terms of change of behavior of the youth at the end of one month and then at the end of three months okay. and we looked at different types of changes in behavior so first uh was condomless anal sex and there we find that at the end of one month there was a more than 30% reduction in the change based group the group that where the ai intervention took place whereas there was no change there was no difference in the um degree centrality the more traditional approach mm-hmm. and there was also no change in the no intervention group but that of course there was no intervention so basically 
the ai algorithm led to a significant improvement 30% reduction in this hiv risk behavior and the other two arms there was no change at all showing that this really worked much better at the end of 3 months we found that the more traditional approach began to catch up but it was still not as uh, you know the ch- change of behavior was not as much as mm-hmm. what had happened in the ai arm so what this showed is that the ai arm the, our algorithm was able to cause changes in behavior much faster because it happened to cause changes in behavior at the end of one month and this is important because this is a, a risk behavior and also because this is a community where youth come and go and therefore having this uh, reduction in risk behavior faster was important we looked at other metrics um condomless vaginal sex we looked at hi knowledge of hiv mm-hmm. and we could see that the ai intervention was faster more significant compared to all of the other two arms and of course we did statistical tests and all of uh, those things and those are in our papers but what this essentially showed is that the ai algorithms are significantly more effective in spreading hiv information in reducing hiv risk behaviors compared to traditional approaches mm-hmm. that is amazing i mean honestly it's really i love hearing how different scientists social scientists different groups of people come together to answer a question like this um and how it's more powerful when different groups come together to think about a solution to a really big issue what else do you have in mind about the future of ai and even social issues and kind of large scale social issues that are not going anywhere um and that we have i heard you talking about quite a few of them in another question you answered and i didn't know if you've been thinking about using ai in any other spaces AI has a huge role to play in social good when we think about uh, public health conservation agriculture and certainly a huge huge role to play in the emerging market world or the developing world mm-hmm. so one way to unlock the potential if you will of uh, AI is to enable AI researchers to find the problems where they could have an impact. I feel there is a desire when I go and meet with students that there's this desire to somehow contribute to social causes but they aren't able to connect with the right NGO, the right problem, the right group of people to work right. with where their science would have an impact. So with that in mind that uh, in my other position at Google Research India what we've started is a matchmaking process. So essentially mm. um the faculty members from around the world can apply um into our program and ngos can apply and so we just completed a call and then we do matchmaking based on interests expressed by the uh, ai researcher mm-hmm. um i mean and the ai researcher and their team and the ngo might have specific problems they have mentioned and so then we get the ai researcher to meet with three uh ngos and the ngo to meet with three ai researchers and uh, you know somewhere there is a match somebody suddenly realizes that you know this problem matches this technique that i know mm-hmm. and then they write proposals and then we support those proposals we fund them and so on and so forth i mean that's been something we tried piloted in 2019 it seemed to work really well 
There were six projects that came out of that first pilot. And now we are hoping to launch many more um, very soon. You know, these announcements would be made. Mm-hmm. I believe the idea here is to allow, you know, AI researchers to contribute to these social causes. I mean, to, I mean, to allow meaning just to do via matchmaking to get the right information to the right people. Right. And so I'm hopeful this will light up uh, AI research in terms of social impact. And hopefully it'll be a start whereby from now on, you know, one sort of people get a taste of how this is done that we will have many more uh, AI researchers really contributing to finding out the right kinds of NGOs that they could work with and so forth right. on their own. And that this will be a, a chain reaction whereby we see like a lot of AI work uh, going towards social causes. And I emphasize that this is a, you know, this is a collaboration where we keep emphasizing, this is not like AI researchers, heli- you know, sitting in their lab, wherever they yeah. are, like a, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here at Harvard and okay, now, you know, here, I, I have this clever algorithm, let me helicopter that into some right. community, you know, some rural community in India and it's going to work. That's not the way it will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be a partnership. It has to be a collaboration. Uh, it has to, it has to be something where we have, just like you mentioned, this mm-hmm. kind of deep collaboration between the two sides in order to have impactful AI research and an impactful application that is very carefully designed with the partners in mind, sort of working with us, uh, working with AI researchers all along. It has been such a pleasure having this conversation with you, Dr. Tambe. It's such a pleasure to have this conversation and thank you for your interest. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just sort of really just so nice to be able to discuss the actual work that was done and the broader issues in AI for social good. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and help us spread the word about the amazing research taking place across the Harvard community. To learn more about the guests on this episode, visit our website, catalyst.harvard.edu slash Think Research.